Welcome to Viva La Volva, the podcast that explores and teaches about the goodness of the vulva. Here is your host, Dr. Kara Quant, an internal medicine doctor and advocate for female sexual health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kara Quant, and I have a special guest today, Dr. Erica Marchand. She is a licensed psychologist. She specializes in sex therapy and couples therapy. And she also just uh, brought out this thing called Big O Masterclass. My baby. Yes, your baby. (laughs) And I want her to tell you guys all about it. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, Erica. Or Dr. Erica. (laughs) Dr. Kara. It's always a pleasure to work with you. Yeah. So I just want to let everyone know that Dr. Erica and I have known each other for about a year now. Now. Yeah. Well, actually, a little bit more than Maybe a, a year, year and a half. A year and yeah. a half. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We both did a lecture together uh, for an OBGYN residency where we talked about female sexual health. Mm-hmm. And so it has been a journey, and she has been a part of many of my panels for mm-hmm. Viva La Vulva and information on the walls at the art exhibit. And mm-hmm. yeah, she has been everywhere. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so happy that we met. Me and too. And yeah, I'm just happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been it's been a really nice collaboration. Yes, yes it yeah. has, definitely. Yeah. So wanted to get started and wanted to know how you got started in sex therapy. It is a long story. Okay. I'll tell you the short version <laughs> of it. So I grew up in the South, in Texas and Louisiana, here in the U.S., and my family and my schools and pretty much everything in my community was really, really, really conservative about sex. So we didn't have sex ed at school other than to say, don't do it or you'll get a disease or you'll get pregnant or something (laughs) like that. My family definitely did not talk about sex. Other kids at school, they're not a good source of information about sex, as we all know. So I grew up kind of with this air of mystery and taboo around it, even though it's just this very natural thing that pretty much everybody does Mm -hmm. at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so... I found that I was not prepared to have either romantic relationships or sexual relationships, you know, when the time came. And I just felt like I was just fumbling around in the dark, mm. like literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> and I was frustrated and I felt like it wasn't right that people would grow up without a lot of information about sex because it's such an important part of life. Mm, I mean, to me. Yeah. And so I was in college when I discovered that sex therapy and sexuality and human sexuality were actually a scientific discipline and and part of psychology Mm -hmm, and medicine mm -hmm. and you could actually study it and that sex education was a thing and like sex positivity was a thing Mm -hmm. and my eyes were just open and so I thought (laughs) I want to be part of this Uh you know this movement this you know community to help people feel more healthy sexually feel more well equipped to have good sexual relationships and so i you know, made my career go down this road. Mm. So that's how it started. Mm-hmm. It was kind of out of a, a lack mm. yes, <laughs> in my well, own life. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, when I went to college, I remember there being a human sexuality class and mm-hmm. it was the most popular yes. class in the whole university. Yes. People would, would be on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. Like it was a popular class. And it was like, 
it's probably popular because we didn't get that information in high school right. or we just didn't get that information in general. Exactly. So a lot of people flocked to that class and wanted to know more about human sexuality. It was the same at my college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, or at least I didn't know what a sex therapist actually did. Mm -hmm. So what do you do on a daily basis with clients? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what a sex therapist actually does. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do, actually sex therapist and regular therapist, like regular psychotherapist, are not that different. People have an idea that there might be other things going on besides therapy. But really, it's just sex therapy is psychotherapy that is focused on sexual concerns. Mm. So it's like if you went to a therapist because you were feeling depressed, they would, you know, talk to you and try to understand the problem and why you're feeling depressed, where it comes from, what you're doing to try to help it, what you're doing to make it worse, Mm -hmm. try to figure out tools to help you, you know, feel better. Sex therapy is exactly that way. It's like you come in with a sexual concern and the therapist tries to help you understand where does it come from? What are the origins of it? What have you tried? You know, what are you doing to make it better? What are you doing to make it worse? What kinds of things might you need to do? to help. Mm -hmm. I think where sex therapy can differ a little bit from other kinds of therapy is that there's usually some kind of homework involved because sex is not just a mental thing. It's a physical thing too. Mm -hmm. Often there's some kind of homework, whether it's like talking to your partner or whether it's masturbating or whether it's exploring your body, Mm -hmm. you know, there's often some component of that. What sex therapy does not involve, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I think a lot of people wonder about, there's not ever any sexual activity in the session. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely not. Now, So you're not watching people have sex. I'm not watching people. I'm not Masters (laughs) and Johnson. That day has passed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. And nor am I like hands-on helping couples like make out or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. There are sexuality professionals who do that, who do more hands on work, but that's the realm of body workers and other kinds of physical therapists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sex therapists are just psychotherapists who talk about sex. Mm. And what are the most common things or problems that you see within practice? In order of frequency. Okay. (laughs) The number one thing I see is couples who come in where one person wants to have sex and the other person doesn't. Mm. There are a wide variety of reasons for that, but Mm -hmm. that's the number one thing. And then among individuals, the number one concern I see for women is low desire or lack of desire. The number one thing I see for men is erectile difficulties. Mm -hmm. Those are the most, most common ones. Mm -hmm. And then there's still really common to have other types of concerns too, but those are the big ones. Those are the big ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm sure orgasm is a part of that. uh, Yes. Concern that people come in with, right? Often. 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 Uh Yeah. Uh Less often than you would think, though, because I think. I think for women, there's lots of women who have trouble having orgasms, at least sometimes. But I think compared to, gosh, compared to some other concerns that seem like a big deal, I think a lot of women don't think that not being able to have an orgasm is a big deal enough to warrant coming to therapy. I disagree. I disagree completely. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) We should all have all the orgasms we want when we want them. Yes. 
But yeah, I think fewer women actually ever come to a therapist's office for that problem Mm -hmm. than are having the problem. Mm. Yeah, And I know that I follow Erica on uh, Dr. Erica on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Her Therapy therapy Secrets. Secrets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that we've had also uh, information on the walls at the art exhibits, but the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings and is only has one purpose, right? Only pleasure. Only pleasure. Only pleasure. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yes. So let's get into your big O masterclass. Like, what is the reason why you wanted to start it Mm -hmm. and teach women about either having orgasm for the first time Mm -hmm. or having orgasms more easily? Yeah. For the reason that most women who have trouble with orgasms don't ever make it to a therapist's office Mm -hmm. and don't necessarily know that there's there's research-based stuff that you can do. There's research-based kinds of therapies and practices that you can do to to learn how to have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so if you never come to a sex therapist, you might not ever know that that's the case and that if you have trouble having orgasms, it can be easier. So I made the big O masterclass for that vast majority of women out there who are never going to come to a sex therapist's office to make the information available to a wider swath of people. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wanted to do that, I think, is it goes all the way back to why I became a sex therapist, because I don't think that most people in America anyway, get a really good sexual education unless they take like a human sexuality class in college Mm -hmm. or have really progressive parents or schools or something like that. But I don't think most of us get a good education. And I think women in particular get a lot of confusing and often negative messages about sex still. I want to say that it's changing. But when I talk to clients who are in their 20s, it hasn't changed that much Mm -hmm. since when Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. So I think the big reason that I want to focus on women's orgasms in particular is because women get taught so many weird things about pleasure, sexual pleasure in particular. It's like you shouldn't want it. You shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't show it. You shouldn't want sex too much. You shouldn't be high maintenance and ask for too much Mm -hmm. in life in general or Mm -hmm. sexually. You know, there's all these messages about like shrinking and being small and easy to please. And yet depicted in, you know, movies and popular media everywhere is sort of this ease of women seeming to have orgasms. Mm. And so there's this huge dichotomy between what women get taught on the ground, like in families and schools and religion, and then what's presented to us about how we should be. Mm -hmm. And there's no clear path from one to the other. Mm. And I think it's really confusing. And I think it's I think it's a form of social inequality that women face. I think it's one of the big ones that we don't often talk about. Mm. But I think being sexually, like being able to be a sexual being and being sexually satisfied or being able to enjoy sexual pleasure, it's a basic human right. It's like a basic need and privilege that we all have right (laughs) with these bodies that we get yeah easy at our fingertips exactly (laughs) right right so if I don't do anything else in my career you know except convince women that (laughs) it's okay to have sexual pleasure and to have like the height of it Mm -hmm. and how to do it Mm -hmm. that I would be happy with that Mm -hmm. and so that's why I started it yeah long answer and yeah no but do you think that porn has anything to do with it like do you think the Mm -hmm. images and like what is conveyed in porn has 
has anything to do with it. Because at least that is what I have felt is that, Mm -hmm. you know, I do watch porn and Mm -hmm. like I feel like many of the scenes or most of the things Mm -hmm. it's it's male dominated. It's uh, Mm -hmm. the man getting the pleasure and the woman, Mm -hmm. you know, like giving the pleasure. And so do you feel like porn has anything to do with uh, our conceptions of what normal sex is. What normal sex is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think porn has a lot to do with it. And <laughs> nothing in porn is normal sex. <laughs> Though I'm I'm also not anti-porn or anything yeah. like that. I think it's it has a lot of... Um, oh, it's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of useful things. I think, yeah, porn doesn't show a realistic depiction of what sex is like and doesn't usually show what would give women pleasure. But I think just sex scenes in movies and books mm. and all that stuff don't either. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I do see a trend where there's a lot more of women getting oral sex, whether it's in porn or in other in. Yeah. In movie Pretty scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see a lot more of that these days, mm-hmm. which is good because mm-hmm. that is kind of realistic. But that ease and um, speed at which women have orgasms if they're depicted having orgasms in some of these movies is you know not the case for a lot of women like it's not like your partner starts going down on you and like two minutes later you're coming and then you're <laughs> three minutes later you're coming again yeah. you know sometimes maybe for some people but that's not the that's not norm. the majority exactly. of people right mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. yeah and so what are the common misconceptions that women have for orgasms i guess that's mm-hmm. like probably part of it they that mm-hmm. it's probably come it comes easily and right. quickly and, and quickly. Mm-hmm. you're satisfied and that's yep it. <laughs> yes exactly that's a common misconception there's another misconception that you should just be whatever your partner is naturally providing should be what gets you off and that's just not true like you usually have to teach your partner what to do to get you off mm. they're not maybe they'll know but maybe they don't mm-hmm. and if they don't know it's totally okay to tell them Another misconception is that either you can or you can't have an orgasm. Like I hear people ask, especially people who've never had an orgasm yet, is it just that some women can't and some can? And there's not much research about women's orgasms, but there's not any research to back that up, of course, right? Maybe it'll change. Mm -hmm. There's not research to back that up, that some women just can and some women just can't. Mm. There's some individual variability in what it takes to have an orgasm, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's usually the case that you either can or you can't. There's so many myths. I could go on and yeah. on. <laughs> Vaginal versus clitoral. We could talk about yeah. that myth. We could talk about... Actually, let's talk about that myth. Because yeah. I think that there's a lot of women that think that only penetration, whether mm-hmm. it's from, you know, like whatever it's from, mm-hmm. is the only thing that is needed for an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is not usually the case. That is not usually the case yes. in about... No, I was going to say in about 25%, for about 25% of women, um, intercourse produces an orgasm. But even in those 25%, there's a lot of direct clitoral stimulation going on too. So it's not just intercourse. No, intercourse is pretty bad at producing <laughs> orgasms. It's like, a, it's an extra thing mm-hmm. that is not necessarily going to give you an orgasm. But there used to be this distinction that got made in psychology and sex therapy and medicine, maybe. I don't know. I think psychologists have been more obsessed with this for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. between vaginal orgasms, like orgasms that happen while you're having penetrative sex, and clitoral orgasms or orgasms that happen from uh, stimulation of the external part of the clitoris. Mm -hmm. And Freud made a big deal out of this. He said that women who had vaginal orgasms were more mature sexually and clitoral orgasms were immature sexually. And even a paper that I saw 
that came out in the past five or 10 years was kind of echoing that theory, even though, come on, people, it's been (laughs) centuries now. But interestingly, if you look at the anatomy of the clitoris, you, you know this, but a lot of people don't know this. If you look at the anatomy of the clitoris, the little nub that sticks out mm-hmm. is just the tip. And there's this whole like wishbone thing mm-hmm. that goes internally that kind of wraps around the vagina mm-hmm. internally. So it makes less sense now that we know that to make a distinction between a clitoral orgasm and a vaginal orgasm. Because a lot of the sensation that comes vaginally also comes from the mm-hmm. clitoris, just the mm-hmm. internal part of it. Mm-hmm. And I say all that to say, I hate making a hierarchy of women's orgasms and like some are better than others and some women who have them one way are better than women who have them another way. I can't stand that. (laughs) And so I'm all about dispelling those kinds of myths. Mm. And you know, another myth that I have heard in the past from you that you said, and I think it's brilliant, is saying that women are more difficult than men. Yes. Because I feel like that is a common misconception too. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, it's very difficult for a woman to have an orgasm or it's difficult to get a woman turned on. So, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, you're just... It's hard. I mean, it's, it's bad, so you it's know? so complicated. Yeah, it's so complicated right? that it's very hard for people to master right. it. Yeah, exactly. Like their partners are sweating and thinking <laughs> and like trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, I think that's a myth. I think mm-hmm. everybody, every human, you know, men, women, everyone has a set of conditions for what turns them on and what gets them off. And so, for anyone who has those conditions being met, like enough time might be a condition to have an orgasm or enough stimulation, clitoral stimulation Mm -hmm. might be a condition or, you know, enough time with your partner to feel connected to that person might be a condition Mm -hmm. or could be a lot of different things, but everybody has conditions for good sex. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we're so much more familiar with kind of the stereotypical set of conditions for men to have good sex. We try to apply them to women. And then when they don't fit, Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, this is so confusing versus just trying to understand the set of conditions for women, you know? And I think there's this misconception that if there's an emotional component or like a connection component Mm -hmm. involved in, in sexuality, which is again, stereotypically more often the case for women, then that's super confusing, but it's really not. Mm. It's just, (laughs) you know, just human feelings. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. And then the other follow-up question I was going to say, well, you know, since we're talking about orgasms, like Mm -hmm. what is the, the definition or like what, what actually is an orgasm? I'm so glad you asked. My favorite definition of orgasm is that it's a it's the sudden involuntary release of sexual tension. And that's a very broad definition, but I think it fits because sometimes the majority of the time I would say there's pleasure associated with orgasm, so sometimes that gets included in the definition, mm-hmm. but not always. Not all orgasms come from pleasure and not all orgasms produce pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's involuntary, like you can't will it to happen. You can't like it's not like doing a bicep curl or something mm-hmm. you can't just you can't do it mm-hmm. it happens right <laughs> under the right conditions you can't just say, i'm gonna have an orgasm and have an and orgasm. Then it happens, <laughs> right 
Yeah, so it's involuntary mm -hmm. and it happens after a buildup of sexual tension, right? So a buildup of arousal, a buildup of stimulation, a buildup of blood flow. Mm -hmm. It happens after that. So sudden involuntary release of sexual tension. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And actually what I was going to say before is there is also, I think, a misconception that I've been hearing more demystified mm -hmm. um, is that every session of intercourse has mm -hmm. to end with mm -hmm. an orgasm you know like that right. is usually the goal the goal is to get mm -hmm. to come to have an orgasm right and and it's less of just like enjoying the partner and enjoying right. the experience and so mm -hmm. i have heard both sides but mm -hmm. i think that people are leaning towards like sex does not have to be about orgasms. Yes, I agree. I'm I'm of two minds about it. Okay. I think I, I a I agree with you completely. Mm -hmm. I think having a goal at the end of sex kind of diminishes or glosses over or can gloss over the other stuff that's happening mm -hmm. between the beginning and the end, which is all the good stuff. I think that it's important to kind of ask yourself, do you want to have an orgasm? in any particular sexual encounter. And mm -hmm. if you do, then try to, you know, I don't mean try to have one, like work really hard at it. But if you do, then go ahead and do the things that you need to have one. Don't talk yourself out of wanting one. Mm -hmm. Like if you think it's going to take too long or you think your partner's not uh, down for it or whatever, uh, if you want to have one, tr you know, set yourself up to have one. Mm -hmm. But I agree. It's really helpful to take the pressure off that it, there should be one. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so for the people that say, for the women that are like, I don't want to speak up. I don't want mm -hmm. to seem too pushy or mm -hmm. too demanding or too, right. like, what do you say to that woman? That is really a common thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I put it in terms of what, I try to frame it in terms of the question, what makes it seem like too much? You know, like if you're asking for... I don't know, uh, for your partner to like do something for longer than they normally would or do something that's going to give you the kind of pleasure that brings you to orgasm. Why is that too much? Mm. And so we talk about that. And so and usually what we come down to is all those same confusing negative messages about sex. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't want too much. You should be easy to please. You should blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then. Almost nobody consciously agrees with those messages, but most of us kind of subconsciously identify with them. Hmm. And so if we can kind of drag that out into the light, mm -hmm. then we can... And kill it. And kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Squash it. Squash it dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we can identify what we actually do believe and what we consciously want to practice. So instead of maybe, oh, I shouldn't ask for what I want because my partner might not want to do it, mm -hmm. we might start to develop this more conscious framework like sex is a shared experience and we both want to have pleasure and I'm usually happy to do what my partner wants yeah. to do, yeah. you know, if I'm reasonably comfortable with it. And so my partner probably feels the same way. Mm -hmm. And so maybe let's give them a chance to demonstrate that. Yeah. If they don't, that's another, <laughs> that's that's another, another conversation. Yeah, that's another conversation. <laughs> Maybe you need to mm -hmm. change partners. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, we try to reframe, just kind of reframe the whole narrative about what it means to have sex with somebody, mm -hmm. how much you get to ask mm -hmm. for. 
So is that what you talk about in the Big O Masterclass about kind of taking mm-hmm. away some of the myths that women have about orgasms and yep that's probably the main underlying focus of the big o master class um i start out with that i start out with pleasure and why why pleasure is difficult for people women especially and sexual pleasure in particular and i talk about all this stuff in more detail and then throughout the course we're referencing back to what did you learn how much of it do you agree with? What do you believe now? And so a lot of it is is developing and reinforcing those conscious beliefs about what a woman believes now about sex and how she wants to be sexually versus what she might have learned that's confusing or negative or not helpful. Mm. So yeah, that is really the underpinning of the class. And then there's a lot of of more kind of pure sex therapy and sex education on mm-hmm. top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the like sex therapists things that you use mm-hmm. in the the big O masterclass for your clients or mm-hmm. for the people that are watching it? Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest things is um, this sounds so funny, but the, there's a couple of main tools that sex therapists have for homework. One of them is called directed masturbation, mm. which sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. But all it is is giving someone a set of instructions. I mean, most people have masturbated in their lives and most of us have kind of a like a habitual way that we do it if we're going to do it. But directed masturbation is helping someone kind of slow down observe their bodies differently, try different things while they're masturbating, focus on what's going on, what thoughts and feelings are coming up, focus on whether there's distraction or anxiety or what feelings are there. It's a very mindful kind of masturbation. Mm. I want to know uh, a little bit more about the Big O Masterclass and what you what uh, psychotherapy tools that you use uh, within the class. Yes, there's quite a few. So some of the mental tools that we use, one of my favorite exercises actually is about what we just talked about. Um, There's an exercise called the Pleasure Manifesto, where I ask women to think about all the messages they've learned about sex and sexuality and themselves as a sexual person in their lives, you know, good and bad, kind of brainstorm and remember and write it all down. And then to sort through that and see what they actually consciously agree with now as an adult Mm. and what things they don't. And so the things that they agree with, those, you know, come into the present time as things that they want to continue to think about and practice. Mm -hmm. And the other ones we focus on letting recede into the background or wither and die or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I ask women to write their, you know, based on those beliefs that they learned and then their own beliefs now to write a manifesto about what they actually believe about pleasure now at this point in their lives now, Mm. because I think a lot of us unconsciously just operate from old beliefs, um, whether we actually agree with them or not. Mm. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. So in the manifesto, they Mm -hmm. are consciously saying positive things about sex and pleasure? Yeah, generally speaking, mm-hmm. they're saying whatever they actually believe about sex and pleasure. Yeah. So for example, if I learned when I was a kid that sexual pleasure was shameful, mm-hmm. the root of that belief is somewhere there in my head. And if I don't consciously identify that it's there, then I'm just going to act on it Mm. without realizing it. Like I'm going to get into a sexual situation and feel a little bit of embarrassment or self-consciousness or shame or whatever. Anytime I feel pleasure, Uh 
But if I can consciously be aware that I have that belief that I learned that, then I can ask myself, do I actually agree with that as a grown up woman myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't. And so then what I would put on my pleasure manifesto instead of sexual pleasure is shameful, I would put something like sexual pleasure is just a natural human birthright Mm -hmm. and... I really like it. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) right. And so anytime that old shame message comes up, I can remind myself, no, actually, I learned that. But that's not my belief. My belief is this. And that helps to reset, you know, your beliefs and feelings about sex. So that's Mm -hmm. one example. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that is the beginning. And then you take people through Mm -hmm. still uncovering some of those Mm -hmm. messages that they've received in childhood and so forth. Yep. Yeah. We talk about in the course, you know, sexual experiences that you've had, what you kind of learned from those experiences. We talk about envisioning what you would like your sexuality and your sex life to be like going forward. Mm -hmm. There's a series of homework exercises that are about masturbation, a mindful kind of masturbation to explore pleasure and explore thoughts and feelings that come up with sex to explore what turns you on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of those types of things. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you, so you doing, because I know that you have talked with some clients about orgasms mm-hmm. or problems with orgasm. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about directed masturbation, what mm-hmm. are some of those responses? Are they like, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying that? Or <laughs> I usually don't use that. Word. Oh, you don't. <laughs> I don't use that term. It's sort of a technical term. Sometimes <laughs> I do though. Yeah, people can be... It has a, I don't know, it has an uncomfortable connotation to Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. So in the course, I don't call them directed masturbation homework exercises. I call them pleasure sessions. Mm. So that makes it sound a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. But when I'm working with clients, I do ask them, when I'm working with people one-on-one, I do ask them how comfortable they are with masturbation. And it's true. We don't often even say the word masturbate out loud. Mm -hmm. And so there's, yeah, I think there is kind of a... A discomfort to get over mm. in talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. masturbation is one of the best sex therapy tools that we have. Mm. Period. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I just met a woman recently that said that she has orgasms with partners, uh-huh. but she has never had an orgasm for herself. Yes. I have also talked to women. Really? That's the case. That's much rarer than the opposite. I feel, way yeah. Like, I feel like yeah. I haven't heard that from patients that I've mm-hmm. seen or what have you or friends. Yeah. But I thought that that was unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think anything is, you know, bad or good or exactly. Yeah, you know, it's right. not definitely a bad or good thing. But mm-hmm. it just I haven't heard it that mm-hmm. she was not able to have an orgasm herself. Yeah. But her partners have been able mm-hmm. to give it to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One woman in the big O masterclass actually said the same thing. And she said for her, it was partly because she never really had the habit of masturbating and so she didn't really do it Mm -hmm. and so the the only times that she would be getting sexual stimulation was when she was with a partner Mm -hmm. and so then she would have an orgasm with partners but not as much by herself yeah and then i've talked to other women for whom just being with a partner is just more stimulating it's just like they're more turned on they're more into it there's more there that's arousing and so it's easier to have an orgasm with a partner Mm -hmm. but um i do find the reverse being a lot more common Mm -hmm. Like being self-conscious with a partner getting in the way of having an orgasm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Dr. Erica, what is your favorite thing about an orgasm? (laughs) So many things. (laughs) I love this question. Yeah. I think the main thing is that it just feels really good. Mm -hmm. There's something about having the release 
of tension in mm-hmm. a sexual situation that is really satisfying and feels like a resolution to the experience mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I like about it, though, is that this isn't always the case. And this is for me personally, and this it may or may not be the case for other people. But I find it to be kind of a connecting experience. You know, it makes me feel closer to the person that I'm having sex with. Mm-hmm. And it feels really intimate. Mm. So and again, like that's not always 100% of the time the case depending on person. Yeah. But yeah, I like that part of it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Can I ask uh, you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you can. Well, I will uh, answer that is that um, ox? I was actually just talking in one of my other episodes and answering questions about like uh, physiological things that happen during and after sex and oxytocin is a really big thing component Mm -hmm. that has an effect on people's connection Mm -hmm. like during and after an orgasm you know they feel that connection and Mm -hmm. they feel a sense of I don't know support and relief and Mm -hmm. but a part of that is the hormone oxytocin the bonding the bonding hormone yes Yes. so that's that definitely has an effect on a person's ability to connect yeah. during and after sex. Yeah. And what I was also saying is that it is important to have that time after mm-hmm. coming or orgasming mm-hmm. to cuddle or yeah. to talk or to, you know, not just right. like run away. And I know, <laughs> I know, I know a lot of people disparage that like connection afterwards or yeah. before, like it's supposed to just be about the sex. I, yeah. I don't know why, why that's a thing. People are scared of feelings. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But to answer your question, uh, my favorite thing about an orgasm is the sensation that goes throughout my body. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that, like full body relaxation mm-hmm. is such a like there's nothing else like there's it. There's nothing <laughs> like it. Yeah. There's nothing else yeah. like it. Yeah. So I would say that is probably the biggest advantage of having an mm-hmm. orgasm is that mm-hmm. it's like a full body it's a full body thing a full body like ringing out mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. yeah and i was watching this um this documentary about orgasms on netflix and mm-hmm. there were other women talking about their experiences with orgasms mm-hmm. and they were talking about you know seeing stars and seeing wow. rainbows and seeing like all of these you know <laughs> wait what's things- this documentary i need to watch this <laughs> you know i don't know the exact name of it so don't quote me mm-hmm. anyone but it's about orgasm like female orgasms i think huh, yeah okay. yeah it's up. like a 30 minute thing and they bring nice. in and experts mm-hmm. and uh, different people that talk about the orgasm and like the reason why it's you know society has shamed it especially yeah. for women and right so it's very good I yes go watch that yes. thank you it's actually called i'll have to think of it but send I'll, it to me. yeah <laughs> i'll send it to you and i'll put it in the the show notes mm-hmm. but yeah so that is my favorite thing about an orgasm you. is there anything else that you want to talk about the big o master class like what have people been getting from it what is some feedback that you've been getting from mm-hmm. people that have taken it I have been getting really positive feedback Mm -hmm. overall. The biggest thing that women say that really encourages me and makes me happy, aside from I had an orgasm for the first time, (laughs) that has happened. And when I get, yes, exactly. (laughs) When I get those emails, I'm like, shut up. No, really? Because I I mean, obviously, that's the whole point of the class. But um, yeah, no, that just makes me like so happy. (laughs) Just my career has been worthwhile. (laughs) But what I hear a lot is that the class has helped women change their 
thoughts and feelings, their narrative, their beliefs about sex. Mm. And a lot of women have said, I feel more comfortable. I didn't realize how much baggage I had. Uh, this has helped me work through some difficult things sexually that have happened in the past. I'm talking with my partner more about sex and just kind of yeah, messages that make me feel like it's helping women own their sexuality yeah. more mm-hmm. and feel more positive about it and feel more kind of in control of it versus feeling ashamed or small or, you know, avoidant or any of those things. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that I'm just like, I just want to like jump up and down <laughs> and throw confetti. Yeah. And that's exactly why I did the class. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like I, I think the reason why I do Viva La Vulva is mm-hmm. because I know so many women, patients, friends, family, you know, like I just know so many people that are like, my pleasure is second, you know, like my pleasure is last and it's okay. And I'm, you know, if I have pain with sex or Mm -hmm. if I have, you know, problems with orgasm, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like I I don't need to have it. And I think that that just drives me crazy. And it's (sighs) like, no. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want it to be the case, especially pain. Especially pain. I mean, yeah, orgasm. It's true. People can decide whether they want to have an orgasm or not. Mm -hmm. And that is completely an individual decision. I totally respect that. If it's coming out of a place of really having thought about it and and honestly feeling like, I just don't want to today. That's fine. But I think what you're saying about women just sort of habitually taking second place in the sexual encounter or second priority, I should say, that's when I really feel strongly that there there's some re-education, yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to, to be had, some reframing. Because mm-hmm. why, why? Why should that be? Why? Why? Right? Why? <laughs> yeah. No. Mm-hmm. You, you're equal participants in this. Yeah. 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 I mean, even with the conversation of like me having with some patients and bringing up sex with them. I mean, there's so many people that I've had that are, they're just like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, really? Next question. Next question. Wow. Like, let's not, let's not go there. It brings up a lot. It brings up a lot. lot. Yeah. There's such heavy heaviness around, or there Mm -hmm. can be some heaviness around Mm -hmm. sex. Yeah. Totally. Emotional, physical. Yeah. 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 There Mm -hmm. can, there really can be. And people have had a lot of different experiences of learning about sex. People have, a lot of women have had unwanted sexual experiences, like Mm -hmm. a shocking number. Mm -hmm. And some, you know, people understandably just don't want to go there at any given time. Mm-hmm. Some women are just super embarrassed to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's been an embarrassing, shameful thing their whole lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I understand that, but I'm with you. Like I want to open up the conversation <laughs> and just have have there be space for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel? I mean, in your one on one sessions, do you mm-hmm. feel like a majority of the reason for pain or just sexual issues is mm-hmm. from trauma. And I actually asked mm-hmm. this to Heather Jeffcoat, who was on the last episode. Yeah. And she's the pelvic floor physical therapist. And she's she was saying that their trauma is not one of the biggest uh, things that she sees. So I wanted to know from you as a mm-hmm. sex therapist, is that mm-hmm. the case for you? Or um, your experience? You know, interestingly, no, I actually, I think I have a similar experience as Heather. Sometimes, yeah, sexual trauma is part of sexual difficulties, but other times it's not. So it used to be the case in psychology, especially that if a woman had sexual problems, a physical problem like pain, let's say, mm-hmm. it was just assumed that there was some kind of trauma that had happened that she just didn't remember mm. because why else would there be pain there? Yeah. We know more about physiology and psychology now that 
that that's kind of dying as an idea. But yeah, no, I, I don't see that. I mean, certainly there are people who have had sexual trauma, who have sexual problems, yeah. and they know that they're related or suspect that they're related and need to work through that. Mm-hmm. But then I have seen other women who have sexual difficulties and and don't have any trauma that they remember and will ask the question like, does this mean that, you know, somewhere something, along the way something yeah. happened to me? And I'm, you know, quick to reassure them, probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably this is just something about how your body's made and wired and, you know, whatever other factors are going on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you just don't that you have some not remembered trauma. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like for medical school, and I'm not saying for every medical school, every mm. training program is a little bit different, but in our questioning of sex, the sexual history, mm-hmm. some of it was, you know, like, have you had any trauma or mm-hmm. any sexual abuse in the past? And right. um, I feel like I don't know where I got the misconception that much of sexual pain is mm-hmm. from trauma right it it can be uh it totally can be but but there's also hormonal factors so when hormones decline with birth control pills or menopause Mm -hmm. that's a situation that can cause pain for a lot of women there's just uh tension that gets held in the pelvic floor like you probably know that you know just like some people hold tension in their shoulders some people hold tension in their pelvic floor and it's not because something bad happened there yeah. it's just kind of like how their body is wired or mm-hmm. or other things are going on it definitely can be certainly if you've had a traumatic sexual experience then there can be this kind of like tensing up to protect Mm -hmm. that area. But also if you've just had a painful sexual experience or a painful tampon insertion or something, there's tensing up to protect that area. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had trauma or have you had an unwanted sexual experience? But I think it's equally important not to assume that that would be the case, because if it's not, then women can leave our offices feeling like, oh, my God, there's so much more wrong than I thought Mm, there might be. Yeah. And I don't ever want to put that trip on somebody. Yeah. But but to ask the question, like you're saying, is super important. I agree. Mm -hmm. So for Mm -hmm. providers, doctors, nurse practitioners, Mm -hmm. physicians, assistants or anyone that refers their patients to you, Mm -hmm. what do you feel are some common reasons like do you feel it's any different than uh what you stated earlier about the common things that you see in practice oh right yeah those are some of the most common ones so if somebody is getting referred from their doctor or physical therapist or something from physical therapy it's often pain yeah yeah um from doctors sometimes it's difficulty with arousal or desire sometimes it's pain from other therapists often i'll get someone as a couple or as an individual, vice versa, because another therapist has been talking to them and has realized that there's a sexual issue in their relationship. And then they might send them to me for that kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the yeah, some of the really common ones. Urologists see a lot of erectile difficulties and then refer people to me for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'm sure there is a wide range, just like for anything. Mm-hmm. But can you give us a range of like how long people or clients stay with you? I mean, mm-hmm. is it like one session and they're done? Is it years <laughs> and they're done? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, is it years? Like, mm-hmm. is there an average for people? 
That's a really good question. It depends on the issue. For things that are pretty uncomplicated, so let's say, for example, I have someone who is coming in who's just started having a sexual concern, like someone comes in and they've just started having pain. It hasn't been there for a long time. They don't know what's going on. Maybe they have a doctor that they're working with too. Once we can figure out what's going on and start treating the the medical physical parts of the pain, I can work with that person to support whatever they're doing medically and talk to their partner and find things that don't hurt and then kind of work with them through till the pain gets better. And in that case, that's not very long. That's a couple months. Yeah. For other people like let's say a couple who hasn't had sex in a couple years and one person's feeling really pressured and guilty and the other person's feeling really rejected and angry to mend that relationship and come up with strategies that are going to help them get back to a better sex life. Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit longer. Emotions don't change that fast. Mm -hmm. So that might be many months or up to a year or Mm -hmm. something like that. And it could be anywhere in between. So it really depends. It really depends. I always tell people to give it at least three months. Mm -hmm. If they, if you want to come to therapy for anything, give it at least about three months. Cause I think that's the amount of time that it really takes to think about things differently, practice different things and see some, you know, see a market lasting change or to have enough tools to make things change. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's just so individual. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners out there Mm -hmm. that are, and I don't think I said earlier, but Dr. Marshawn is in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and she's in the the West Hollywood, Hollywood area. And um, so say someone is not in this area and can see you very easily. How Mm -hmm. can someone look for a qualified sex therapist? That is a great question. Some of my favorite resources are ISWISH. So these are organizations. Mm -hmm. ISWISH is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And if you go to their website, I think it's Mm iswish.org, there's a list of of providers who are members. And so those people will be really well-versed in female sexuality and specialize in it and know how to treat concerns. Yeah. Another organization that I really like is is called S-STAR. It's... um, the Society for, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the acronym. Do you remember? I don't know the acronym for it. I can look it up and then I can put it in the we show notes. Yeah, yeah, I can post it. It's another sexuality focused organization that members will be really knowledgeable and well versed mm-hmm. in sexual concerns. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also, you can always ask. You can Google in your area and see who comes up. You can ask your doctor or your gynecologist or your urologist. Those are all people who might know people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Area. And do you feel for sex therapy um, in terms of our transgender population, mm-hmm. in terms of the homosexual population, like mm-hmm. are all, I mean, I'm sure not all sex therapists are created equal, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but is there a way to find out who, you know, is more comfortable with talking mm-hmm. about or uh, with uh, certain types of couples? Yes, yes, absolutely. Sometimes you can kind of tell from the person's website. Some people will specialize in seeing LGBT couples or 
LGB couples. Some people will specialize in seeing transgender people or couples. Mm-hmm. And so you can clearly tell that from their website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell if people are just using inclusive language that that's a, a hint anyway that you might have to investigate further. But mm-hmm. that's a hint that maybe they'll be competent. Yeah. But then I think the most important thing is to just talk to them on the phone and ask the question, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. have clear you communication, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, have you worked with people like me before? Yeah, uh-huh. Whatever people like me is. Yeah. Have you worked with same-sex couples before? How comfortable do you feel? Those types of questions. And yeah. then you can get a better sense. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. no, it's true. Everybody has different kinds of training and self-awareness yeah. and comfort and mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, so for every, so as we are um, finishing up, mm-hmm. I wanted to know from you how our listeners can stay in touch with you mm-hmm. and how they can jump on to doing the Big O Masterclass. Oh, so my favorite thing right now about the Big O Masterclass is that I have a quiz. Okay. It's a free quiz. It's called the Orgasm Spectrum Quiz. And if you take the quiz, you'll find out where you are on the orgasm spectrum. Okay. There's five possible spots that you could be. Uh So if you go to hertherapysecrets.com, you'll find the quiz and you can take the quiz and then when you get your, actually the answers to the quiz are videos of me telling you, hey, here's where you are on the spectrum and here's what that means. And then um, I think it's kind of fun. And then from there, if people are interested in learning more about the Big O Masterclass, there's more information on the site. Okay. But take the quiz. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then how can people stay in contact with you? Well, you can find me online. My private practice website, if you're in LA, is drericamarshan.com. And from there, you find my phone number, email, all the different ways to contact me. So that's the best way. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what I have been doing, I haven't been doing for everyone, but I'm going to be consistent. I want you to leave the listeners with something very uplifting about the vulva since this Mm -hmm. is called Viva La Vulva. So, uh, you know, a story or a fact or whatever you want to do. Yeah. This is a story. Okay. So, and I love this question, by the way. (laughs) I remember the first time that I saw a Georgia O'Keeffe painting and was old enough to understand what it was. Mm. And at that moment, I can't, I think it was the one called Black Orchid. You can look, people can look that one up. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you can find a, a picture of it online somewhere. And I remember looking at the painting and thinking, oh, Oh my God, that is a vulva. (laughs) It's like the flower version of it. And then realizing they look like flowers Mm. and Mm. thinking how beautiful that was. Mm, So that's my vulva story. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I love Georgia O'Keeffe. Like I love all of her stuff. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing, especially with the flowers and the vulvas. And it's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's It's sort of elevating and like celebrating and, memorializing yes yes the vulva the vulva, the vulva. <laughs> yeah 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 well dr eric marchand i thank you so much for being on this podcast and talking mm. with me about orgasms and ways to get orgasms for the first time mm. or get more orgasms yep and i'm just so grateful for you well thanks for having <laughs> me i can't think of anything i'd rather talk about so <laughs> thank you so much yes thank you